Alleluia, Christ is risen. Please be seated. This morning we hear the account we've come to know as the story of doubting Thomas. But to call it that, and to speak only of Thomas, is to miss the point of the story. The central figure in the story is not Thomas. It's Jesus. Our gospel begins on the day of the resurrection, what we celebrated last week, Easter Day. In John's gospel, the day starts with Mary Magdalene going to the tomb. You may remember the story about Jesus being mistaken for the gardener. That was Mary Magdalene. She went early and found the stone had been rolled away and the tomb empty. When she reported this puzzling discovery to the disciples, Peter and the beloved disciple raced down to find it empty, just like she'd said. Later, Mary sees two angels and Jesus himself in the garden. And it's when he speaks her name that she recognizes him. And he sends her to go and tell the others. It's later that same evening, while the disciples were hiding, out of their minds with worry and grief and fear, that Jesus appears in their midst. Despite the locked doors, Jesus comes among them and says, Peace be with you. In his presence, the disciples move from fear to joy. And then, and this is important, Jesus gives them a mission. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, his friends have been with him for years. They know what he's about, showing people the Father through himself offering the opportunity of relationship with God and of becoming God's children. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Hearing Jesus' words, they begin to realize that to celebrate Jesus' resurrection is to carry on, to continue his work in the world. They are to represent Jesus to those beyond the time and place of his earthly life. The church becomes the bearer of unceasing witness to the love of God in Jesus, not the arbiter of right and wrong, as some would want us to believe. The church's mission, our mission, is to invite people into relationship with Jesus, our crucified and risen Lord. To spread the good news, to proclaim Christ's presence and peace in the locked room of our lives, and to declare God's abundant love and forgiveness, even though for those who abandon and betray and deny him. Mary Magdalene was the first to bear witness. She ran back to share her experience with the others. I have seen the Lord, she says. But even though Jesus had tried time and again to explain to his friends what was coming, to prepare them for the cross, the death, and his rising again, the idea of resurrection is so fantastic, so utterly outrageous that they couldn't get their minds around it. So Jesus appears to them as well, speaking peace, giving them their marching orders, and then giving them the Holy Spirit to equip them for their task. When the, when the disciples attempt to share their Easter faith 
the story that Jesus was alive, they start with Thomas. They say, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas remains unconvinced. Poor Thomas. Thomas the loyal, Thomas the practical, is forever branded Thomas the doubter. But think about it for a minute. What evidence was there to convince him that something had changed? I mean, we hear in the gospel today, a whole week later, after Jesus had appeared to them, where are the disciples? Are they out around town spreading the good news that Jesus is alive? Are they assuring people of God's love and mercy? No. The sad reality is that the disciples are in the same room they were in the week before, with the same closed doors. There's nothing to indicate that anything momentous has happened. Thomas must have thought they were having a good laugh at his expense. Maybe they pulled the wool over his eyes before and he was not going to let it happen again. Whatever it was, he was not buying their story. So Jesus comes again, this time showing himself to Thomas. And Thomas moves from doubt to faith. He responds, my Lord and my God, a statement of total conversion to this new reality. He's all in. Somewhere along the way, the disciples move from fear to courage. They lose their debilitating fear of the temple police and the high priests, and they go out and they start teaching. And we hear this morning about them filling Jerusalem with their teaching and standing up to the council and the high priest. What is obvious, but which we don't have an exact account of, is that each disciple somehow journeyed from a place of no faith or partial faith to authentic belief. We see a new reality in the bold proclamation and the testimony to the resurrection by the same men who had earlier been hiding in fear behind locked doors. Now, there are times when, like the disciples, it seems too much for me, maybe you too, to wrap our minds around. Like the disciples, we struggle through experiences of partial faith or no particular faith to find authentic belief. And the good news is that Jesus comes to us as well. The risen Christ comes in many ways. Jesus came to Mary in the midst of her grief. For the disciples, Jesus speaks a word of peace in the face of their fear. And to Thomas, the poor guy wrestling with his desire to believe in the face of a tenacious grasp on reality, Jesus offers the marks of death still fresh on his risen body and an invitation to put his unbelief aside. Jesus comes to us too. As with Mary and the disciples and Thomas, he meets us wherever we are. Where exactly that might be, I cannot say. Because although this community comes together to be shaped as the body of Christ and to continue Jesus' work in the world, our journeys of faith are profoundly personal. There are as many ways for Jesus to come to us as there are people in this place. Jesus meets us at the rail, in acts of service, in classrooms, in conversations, 
in quiet moments of contemplation, the way isn't important. The central figure of the story is not us, after all, it's God. And the moral of the story is that God comes. God shows up again and again to speak peace, to equip us, and to send us out. Because the work continues. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Hearing Jesus' words again, we remember that to celebrate Jesus' resurrection is to live as Easter people, to continue his work in the world. Jesus comes to us and equips us and sends us, for there is still much to do. Perhaps it's standing with a refugee, the stranger in our midst, or clothing the naked through the ministry of threads, or visiting the sick, or feeding the hungry, or welcoming the littlest saints among us. There is much to be done to heal this hurting world. So Jesus calls us, speaks words of peace to us, sends us out and equips us. So my friends, come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come, for it is Christ that invites us to meet him here for love of us and for the sake of the world. Now, my friends, as we continue celebrating the 50, the great 50 days of Easter, may we ceaselessly proclaim by word and example that Christ is risen. Alleluia, Christ is risen.